Hello and welcome. I'm Dwayne Fernandez, and this is the Smith Society Podcast. Okay, so here's the deal. I've been working on this podcast for about three years now, really just the idea of it. I've done some test interviews, I've done some full interviews, and then the pandemic hit, so it just kind of messed with the timeline of everything. But during that time, I've been really thinking about the format and how to execute what I believe is the perfect type of interview. It's harder than you think. I've been doing interviews for about 15, 17 years in a variety of formats, and I really have put together a methodology around how I approach them and how I actually execute them. You can take a look at a show that's had a huge impact on my life inside the actor studio. I absolutely admire James Lipton. His approach was effortless. His genuine curiosity, you can see it through the screen and you feel like you're in the room. And uh, he has a passion for sharing those conversations with the masses, whether it's the students on campus, through his program, his live events. He was very passionate about doing an interview sharing those conversations. The show wasn't about him. It was about his guests and his audience. He gave his guests the stage and the freedom uh, emotionally on the stage uh, to share their stories and their experiences. And there were some really incredible moments that happened. When you look at those people he featured, his interviews framed their journey, not his, right? Ultimately, he created this unlimited value to his audience. He was able to share an individual's successes and their disappointments in a way that was really connected with those who were part of it. His approach was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was in subtle in design, it was subtle in execution, and needless to say, this show uh, is a high benchmark, but it's a show I want to model. And I'm sure it'll take me many, many years to even get close to it, but... and. The pandemic and the way we've had to do interviews now is slightly different. Not being in the same room and sharing those spaces has made it challenging, but we'll get there. And um, the Smith Society podcast is really about that, creating a place for people to come in, share their stories. My goal is to put the spotlight on my guests squarely. That's it. Well, before I get too far into this really the meat and potatoes of everything. I have to say that I'm an audiophile and that's very, that's really going to be very important to know over the next few years. One of the big elements of the podcast, uh, that I had that I developed was that every interview was going to be recorded at a world, like an iconic sound recording studio somewhere in the world, London, New York, Paris, all over the place. And the idea is that, that with each guest, I was going to marry their, kind of history elements of their life to the, the perfect recording studio. But that changed with COVID and uh, I've had to find a variety of new ways to do interviews uh, using remote crews to record while I'm in one place and they're in another via Zoom. And obviously the audio side was a little bit challenging. So it is important to note that as the time, as we move forward to the next year, the audio of these podcasts are going to become very rich. Um, and I believe that's really important to the, the story. So what's in a name? Uh, the easy answer is that I'm obsessed with secret societies. So the Smith Society itself is a secret society in a way that uh, anyone who wants to be a part of it can be, unlike other secret societies. I've been obsessed with secret societies. I find how they've been a part of society and culture, truly fascinating. But the idea that I might find truly fascinating, this a group of people who are, and there's all a variety of 
reasons they exist, but the idea is that they can control knowledge in a weird way, right? So they they have the insights to history and knowledge that they share amongst themselves and use it in a way to further their agenda, whatever it may be. So I've always loved their iconography. Like when you see their, I want to say, I guess it's a logo, their marks, um, and when they're developed, how they're developed, the meaning behind it. So when I was developing the name, the Smith Society, it took a while, but what I landed on was the idea that the people that I'm going to feature on the podcast are experts. They're craftsmen and women uh, in their field who've spent their entire careers refining a skill. And so, yeah, it's, you know, short, it's the Craftsman Society. And that's the name. The logo I'll get into further in future episodes, but that took uh, quite some time as well. And I worked with one of my favorite designers, Chris Scott, who I've worked with for quite some time. And we spent a long time developing this, this the, the identity. Um, so I'll share that in another episode. But that is the, the background behind the name. Okay, so now into the meat and potatoes. I have an insatiable curiosity. Uh, I think I have had one since I was born. I love learning about everything and anything. I love learning about people. If I'm on the plane, I love to strike up a conversation with somebody and just learn something new that I just never knew. Everybody has a really cool story to share. And I think the more conversations you have with people and the further you can have these conversations with people who are so far from what your experiences are, you can have such incredible impact on your life. So one of the things was that I wanted to create a podcast because honestly, a lot of people I've seen hosting podcasts don't look like me. So I, you know, by that very nature, their conversations, the questions they ask are uh, a little different than the ones I would, I'm curious about. And so I started this challenge again, three years ago, and I wanted to really focus on storytellers. Storytellers are fascinating to me. I think all creatives are in general, but I find them fascinating for so many reasons, but most importantly, the vulnerability. It takes a lot to be a storyteller. It takes a lot to be a creative. You're constantly taking things that are very personal to you and then putting them out in the world to be judged, be critiqued. And it takes a long time for someone to get to a point in their career where there's any success. That path is always a, one that takes quite some time and requires a lot of perseverance. So uh, I, I love people with perseverance. And I think if someone was going to ask me what I think is the most important quality in anyone, it's perseverance. So why not have a podcast focused on those type of people? There's a people who are constantly putting their heart out there. Uh, they're tapping into their soul and projecting it out into the world. And, a, and I believe they're doing it to make the world a better place. And um, I believe it does. Professionally, it's brutal. It's not for the faint of heart. You have to spend years learning and crafting your skills. You have to learn how to have a thick skin because you're constantly being told that your work isn't good enough, that you're not good enough, and making any form of money is something that's not going to happen for quite some time. Then if you persevere and you make it, the whole world puts a microscope on your work and judges it every single time you do anything. You're constantly having to fight for your position in the industry, and you're constantly having to innovate, and there's never a point. It just gets easier. Um, I'd have to, I think it gets harder. Uh, but the storytellers keep fighting. The most important thing that creatives do is share their experiences with the world. They share a unique point of view. They share stories that make the world a better place. We see stories and they make us realize we're not alone. They connect us. 
Storytellers share the human condition. They put a spotlight on things that need to be told and things that need to be shared. I truly believe we can make the world a better place by sharing stories uh, and making people feel like they're not alone. I think oftentimes when you feel alone, it's because you don't see your story being shared in, a, in any format, whether it's in a book or an article in a magazine or a movie or a TV show or even if it's food. And I think that when you start seeing yourself portrayed and your culture portrayed or yourself, whatever it may be, you start realizing that you're not alone in this world, that you're connected to something that's a little bit bigger than yourself. And then that way, you're not so alone and the world isn't so scary. So this podcast is simply about storytelling and storytellers. It's about those insane people that just want to share their stories that, uh, you know, go looking inward, take a look at their heart and soul, their, their most vulnerable self, and just share that with everybody and hope it connects. I hope that when it goes out there, other people are like, I, sh I share that pain, I share that joy, whatever it may be, they, they connect with it. So this is a nice segue to introduce my first guest, Amir Amasri. Okay, so where do I begin? Uh, Amir made me completely stop in my tracks and rethink the entire first season of The Smith Society. And here's how that happened. Um, I saw a film titled Limbo about three weeks ago, and I was so blown away by the film, everything, the subject matter, how important it was for the world, how uh, unique it was visually. Um, and at the center of that was Amir. And I had to have a conversation with him, and I wanted that conversation to be the very first episode of the Smith Society. So it kind of blew up my entire schedule. I had to rearrange everything, including the pilot, including how all the pieces were going to fit together for the first four or five weeks. But I had to do it, and it was completely worth it. Amir's performance was one of the most extraordinary things I've seen in years. It was so subtle. It was so effortless. Um, it was captivating and was just, I mean, simply powerful. I wanted to, when I saw it, I just kept thinking I wanted to have a conversation with him. Like I just needed, and it's a little, this goes back to my insatiable curiosity. I wanted to know what his journey was like. And then I also kind of want to know how he pulled off such a brilliant performance. And so in the middle of his very busy press week of promoting this film, we found 30 minutes to have a conversation. And here it is. I hope you enjoy. So where are you right now? I'm in London. Okay. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, and how long have you been doing this today? Oh, uh, since 4, 4 p.m. So, yeah, the last kind of hour and a half-ish. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're earlier. Okay, so good. I was like thinking, I'm like, all right, let's just pretend we're in Cairo. We're at a cafe. You're not <laughs> doing a hundred other interviews the rest of the day. We're just going to have a quick little 30 minute conversation about this incredible film. I love that. Well, maybe on the next, next project we'll do that. Sure. Deal. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, while doing some research, I discovered that your birthday is August 2nd. Yeah. M mine is August 1st. So we're just like kindred spirits. Leo's. <laughs> Leo's. Leo's. I knew. Yeah. I instantly knew. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, uh, raised in London. Uh, I, one of the first things I had to know was, do you support a club from London? A football <laughs> club? That's a very good question. Cause no, I don't. I support United, Manchester United. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think part of that was because my, my dad 
supports this team called Al Ahli in Egypt, and their nickname was the Red Devils or is the Red Devils. Oh, so so easy. Yeah, there was a little kind of tie-in into that. So uh, and also I just like the color red when I was a kid. So. You know, it was easy. It was easy. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I was curious. I was like, man, I wonder if like you're a Liverpool LFC fan now because of Mo Salah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely tune in whenever Mo Salah's playing for sure, for sure, for sure. Extraordinary. He's Best football pick. player in the world. Yeah. And that's coming from an Arsenal fan. I'm a North London Arsenal, fan. I was, gonna, so. I was just about to ask you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Huh? All right. It's been a rough few years, so we yeah. won't get into <laughs> my side of it. Um, so when did you want to become an actor? I know this is probably something you get quite a you get quite asked quite a bit, but I, I was curious, like with your background, like what when did you decide that I want to tell stories? Honestly, from from as early as I can remember, since I was a little 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 baby, I, I really wanted to tell stories, and and I think the first the bug came when I was um, I was in a play called The Musicians of Bremen, and I played a cat, and uh, my mum actually made the costume. Uh, I looked like a hybrid between a cat and a cow because uh, it was kind of patchy black and white, but, uh, but I had the, the little ears to go to match with the, with the outfit. So you could tell I was a cat. Um, but, uh, but it was beautiful kind of feeling that, that, you know, the stillness of the audience listening to you and, and, and just kind of that energy reverberate in the, in the room. It was, I was in, it felt electric and, and kind of, it stayed with me. Um, and I was relatively shy as a kid. Um, so it was definitely a nice outlet to kind of uh, put on a mask and be somebody else for a change. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, and again, so I grew up thinking I could play anything. And, and that was inspired by the late, great Omar Sharif, you know, seeing him and, you know, make it in Hollywood and, and, and be a, an icon back home in Egypt as well. And seeing him kind of play different cultures and backgrounds and no one would bat an eyelid. You know, I thought it would be plain sailing, but um, clearly uh, he, he edges over, over looks and, and, and talent maybe. But, um, but yeah, it did, he definitely did inspire me from, from, from an early age. Um, I love that. That's amazing. And I kind of have to imagine that, you know, uh, you, even now hearing you speak about it, you still have that sort of commitment for every role that there's a little bit of an edge that there's an incitement excitement around acting and portraying and putting on a mask. Do you, do you still feel that same way as when you were a kid now? 100%, 100%. I think, uh, I know, I know a role is going to be going to be good for me if I'm petrified and then scared to, to, to tackle it. Um, and I definitely felt that way with, uh, with limbo, um, you know, again, you know, all the elements, you know, the, the dialects, the, the music, um, you know, being away from home for so long. Um, and also just where he's come from and, 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 uh, the weight of the story, um, that responsibility as well was, was quite, was quite frightening as well. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I do, I do. I relish any opportunity to, to kind of be somebody else and, and kind of give a different side of myself as well. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it, just the, I could tell through that film 
how much you're committed to it and knowing, you know, and doing research and seeing the stuff that you have been in and I've seen your work, it was interesting to see how much of a, a change it was to be have this very quite intense power with a lot of stirring emotions within you uh, on screen like that has to be had to be really intense showing up day in and day out and having that stillness so when you first read the script what did you think oh man i uh i'd never seen anything like it that that tackles the refugee crisis um you know first first off i you know i, I i've never laughed and cried at the same time from reading something um also more often than not you have a western character that leads who leads the refugee into a kind of t into a better living situation, or, um, but with with this, you know, um, Omar is in the forefront of the narrative. Uh, ben Sharik gives him agency, and we're constantly reminded of how beautiful Syria was as a country, and 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 we're introduced to its culture, its music, the food, the smells, everything, and and the jokes, the inside jokes that come with the with the Arab culture as well. I think I think it's important to to have that authenticity in any film, um, and uh, I think you know as someone who was also foreign to to, to that culture in, in some ways, to know that they can joke about their plight, like myself, uh, you know any anything anything that happens uh, along the way that we can kind of laugh about it, definitely drew me in. That's amazing. When you after you put down the script. Two days later, what scene kept coming back to you? Oh man, opening scene was just the, the hook for sure. Um, for for myself, um, the 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 phone the phone booth scenes uh, for sure, and and seeing his growth throughout those scenes and seeing him come into himself a little bit more. Um, and uh, you know. Myself and Ben, we had a lovely kind of working relationship, and, and, and we had a we developed this nice language of 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 carrying two buckets filled with water and making sure that water doesn't spill because once it does, the audience um, have a relief. And so it was it was that finding that right balance of trying not to break down uh, too soon, um, and those. The, the, when I read the phone booth scenes and the music, when, when his mom starts singing to him, uh, ask for the, the bird song. Oh man, like I was in bits. I was in bits just from reading it and, and, and to, to play it as well. I was as well, but Ben would always be like, you need to hold, you need to hold yourself back a little bit. Um, yeah. Hear you talk, I just got chills. Like every time you say phone booth, I get I like chills immediately. That those scenes are so powerful, and they're really they're really a challenge for you because it's not like you're getting to be in a scene having that emotional connection with somebody opposite from you, or even if they're off camera, like there's somebody you're looking at. You're just it's you on a phone. Yeah. How did you How did you approach perfect? I mean, it was it was effortless and exquisite every single scene i went back and watched every single one of those phone booth scenes wow. and and then and then the scene at the very end but like how did you how did you prepare for that i mean like I mean, it's it's very challenging thank you very much it was it was very challenging and i, I think uh you know knowing uh how important that moment is uh not so much not only for omar but you know how important it is to globally as well universally that that idea of being separated and isolated i always just kept that into to the back of my mind and and uh but but uh but yeah we we had a lovely um 
Scottish crew uh, and, and and the AD would uh, one of the ADs would would, would say the other lines in the on the in a, in a you know in their own accents but you know uh, but but still um, you know uh, I think just just having that feeling uh, within myself and uh, being away from my own family uh, helped me kind of. Uh, Get, get through the the, the, the feeling of, of that scene and how much it meant to Omar. It's, it was uh, incredible. As you prepared for this film, like you're in pre-production, what sort of research or what sort of conversations, what's, what did you do to, because uh, are you a method actor? Um, no, it, it, I guess it depends on the role. I guess, if, you know, if, if I was gonna play a mass murderer I'd probably stay away from being method uh, but, but, uh, but fair enough no, no, yeah I mean because you know I played I played a, a quite a gruesome character in, in, in Daniel uh, film a couple of years ago and uh, you know I, I would sit down and, and a lot of that research I actually brought onto this and another film uh, another miniseries called the state as well and I would sit with the researchers in there you know people who have actually been to Syria and interacted with individuals um, on set uh, on, on on the ground, um, but uh, but also also uh, being being privileged enough to to meet uh, a Syrian men's group and and sit with them and and hear from them and 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 them generously giving us their intimate stories as well uh, was 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 definitely helpful uh, to understand you know you know what it feels like to be to be you know a man who's away from, from, you know, his loved ones and, and not knowing when they're going to be back or not knowing when they'll be able to bring their family over, you know, that felt very real, you know, even just sitting with them and, and hearing their stories and how they handle it as well. Um, they carry so much weight and, and emotion, uh, and yet they laugh about everything. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, I can't imagine being in that position and seeing your story, seeing this film and the way you portrayed this character in such, again, everything we just talked about, uh, it, it made me think a lot about people and I'm very empathetic. And I, like here, I thought specifically the day to day life, cause we don't see that. And to your point, I saw an interview you did where you said, um, Nobody wants to be taking up anyone else's space. They'd rather be home with their loved ones. I love that sentiment so much. And it made me think uh, slightly different about the crisis and the, you know what people are going through. And so uh, I can't imagine what it was like to sit in there and have those conversations. What was your biggest takeaway? Oh man, there was a guy. Um, yeah, he was uh, incredible. He, uh, he just made things happen everywhere he went. He made things happen. And I, and I kept sitting there looking at him and going, where do you find the strength? And I, and I, and I can only think that in, when you're in that situation, fight and flight mode clicks and you either do that or that. And with him, you know, he, he went from Syria to Lebanon. He went to Egypt, started his own kind of, he's a doctor. And, and then he, and he started, um, he became a cobbler and he, he had a little kind of kiosk. And then all of a sudden the, um, you know, people in the street would knock his, his, his shop down. He had to start up again. And, and then he found an opportunity to, to come to Scotland and then start over again and sitting and looking at him. He had, I remember he had, he had bright green eyes and he was, he was just smiling throughout the whole conversation. 
And I just got, it just made, made you think that like life is so much simpler than we think it is. And, uh, and we, you know, the very fact that he can kind of count his blessings that he's, he's, you know, at peace with himself now, um, kind of, uh, informed me a lot about where I put my energy and where I kind of prioritize myself. And that's been useful also in the past couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's, it became research that became, you know, DNA and who you are now and moving forward. That's an incredible moment. That's very powerful. When you look back at the film, when you watch it now, what scene do you look back and think this was, that it was very hard to do? What was the hardest scene for you? Uh, uh, the, this, the scene with my, with my brother was very challenging. Uh, and, and, and also from a technical point of view, the, the, the music, the, the, the last scene as well, uh, those that's technical and that was emotional, I guess. Um, you know, um, being, uh, you know, Kai Snashif who plays my older brother is an incredibly generous and giving, giving performer. And, and I remember sitting with him on the first day and he said, I used to be you. And I said, what did you mean? I also used to be the beta character and who, who wants to become the alpha. I've never, it's my first time being the bigger, the bigger man and or the bigger brother in this situation. Uh, but because he carried that energy in most of his kind of in roles that he's taken, it was, it was lovely because we had that warm kind of, uh, kind of uh, tug of war at the beginning, but then there was this warm connection that, that brought us uh, together again through humor. Um, that was difficult. It was tricky because we only had one day together. And where do you develop years, years of, of that connection and loss and anger and frustration when you haven't met the actor, you know, prior to it. Um, and yeah, it's just again, again, a testament to kind of, you know, where, where the casting as well, Dan Jackson, how we managed to kind of, you know, realize, okay, these guys are going to fit together. The chemistry is going to work without actually sitting us down together before, before uh, that's, that happens. That's incredible. <laughs> that's absolutely incredible. Cause watching that scene, I can close my eyes and I immediately had this moment of like, it was so warm. It was so in- emotionally intense that uh, to know that you had one day to shoot that is crazy. <laughs> That's wild. And and the, to your point, casting was there's not a single character in that film that doesn't that, that feels out of place. It is extraordinary. The casting is absolutely extraordinary. It's just so perfect. Yeah. So I can't imagine that last scene. And then you know, then the scene, the musical scene. I can't imagine the technicality and this. Uh, this moment that your character has uh, that you have as an actor and a character with this wildly technical and emotional scene. Do you, uh, do I, I'm going to pronounce it off. Is it Oot? Oot, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit longer up front. Uh, do you play? Did you learn how to play? Do you... I learned, I learned in this, in this, uh, in this process, I had two months to practice, you know, to master the Oot, it takes about seven years um, or to play, to play something like that. But I had, a, you know, two wonderful teachers, Khiam uh, Alami, who composed the piece. He's a, he's a musician. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, he would come around to, to mine a few times a week and uh, we'd play. And half of that would be me pulling my hair out and going, this isn't going to work. Um, but uh, he gave me that calm and he gave me that reassurance constantly. And um, 
and he kind of, he, he kind of, uh, he dumbed it down for me, kind of narrowed it down. He put it into sections. And so I could, I could at least play the shell of the piece convincingly. And, uh, and then we could hone in on the specifics when we got there. Uh, but that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, well done. I mean, that maybe would be the most difficult part of the whole movie. Uh, they, after the movie, I watched it. I actually, my wife and I ordered one immediately. Oh, They're amazing. so beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were, and, uh, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. What Do you play, incredible... you play music? No, my wife plays the music. She's oh, okay. like, she plays a guitar and, uh, she loves all the stringed instruments. So she ordered one, I mean, 12 hours ago. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Wow. That's so yeah. great to hear. Can't wait. So good on you for taking on that challenge and then to perfection executed on screen. So that, uh, it was an, ex it was such a beautiful moment. Oh, thank you. Um, what do you want when people walked out of the theater after they see this, what do you want them to be thinking about for the next couple of days? I want them to feel that this this could happen to anybody, and this is uh, these are all the elements in this film are familiar. Um, loss of identity and trying to build that identity back up again in a new surrounding is something that we all go through um, when we get a new job or when we go to a different country or or uh, first day of school. Um, you know, I think the you know the, the, that that idea of you're not alone. We're all we're all quite you know pretty much on the same boat, uh, in, in, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think, um, you know, blood can be thicker than water. I think for me, I've, I've taken that home for sure. Uh, and, and, and patience as well. I learned a lot of patience from doing this film as well. So yeah, I think that that carried through the pandemic as well for me. Yeah, I mean, this movie hits so many chords. Uh, so, no pun intended. Like through through the last year, this hits so. It's what the world needs. So this movie has to be seen globally. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that happens. <laughs> like it, it is. It's just a, a story that everyone has to see. Like we're all human beings, and we have a simple phrase at our production company, which is, "Are you helping? Or are you hurting?" And that's mm -hmm. it. We're all human beings. Like, are you helping one another? Like, it doesn't matter all the, everything behind it. Like, that's just simple. Like, if you see somebody, a cobbler on the street, like, are you helping or hurting that person? And if I'm just ignoring their existence, I'm ignoring what, you know, why they're here, or I'm ignoring the fact that having a conversation, sharing a smile, talking to somebody can, can change someone's life because it helps with their identity and makes them feel a little less alone in a very scary world. Like, so yeah, it's just the perfect movie for this year. And, uh, I have a feeling it's going to do very, very well over the Love next 12 that. months. I'm going to carry that slogan with me as well, wherever I go as well. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that we can, we, I could share that with you. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a foodie and one of my bucket lists in the next five years is a visit Cairo. Yeah. What are three places I have to eat when I go to Cairo? My, come to my house and we'll feed you. I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, are you, what do you, are you a vegetarian? Are you, do you eat meat or everything? I eat everything. Okay, okay. I eat all everything. Right, all right. So, uh, well, first of all, for, for, for the vegans out there, uh, kosheri, uh, it's a, it's a staple street food thing. You know, um, it's, it's very carby, lentils, uh, vermicelli, macaroni, rice, and then uh, garlic tomato sauce mm -hmm. with um, with uh, sprinkled garlic on the top, um, fried garlic. It doesn't sound like much, but honestly, it tastes incredible, incredible. On oh, chickpeas as well. Um, 
Pigeon. <laughs> Pigeon is uh, also amazing. Molokheya. It's a green, stewy, soupy dish. Uh, quite thick in, 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 in texture, but oh, man, just thinking about it makes me feel <laughs> uh, I could go on. Mashi as well, which is like stuffed dolma, uh, uh, vine leaves. Uh, gosh, uh, the kebab. When you, of, of, the, when you, of all those things, when you're, when you're in London and you're about to head back to Cairo, what's the first of those ones that you have to have first? Molokheya, Molokheya for sure. The green, the, that green soup, that soupy soup. Oh man, it's amazing. Amazing. Oh, I cannot wait. And, uh, the, now I'm hungry and I have to get all that. Is there, is there decent, uh, can you get decent Egyptian food in London? Uh, yeah, one one or two, but do you know what? I I I like I like um, if because nothing will compare to how my mum makes it, you know. So mm -hmm. if I do go out, yeah, I'll get I'll get the uh, the posh version of it, if you know what I mean. But when you go home, you really feel the the love that's put into it for sure. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, this question here is: uh, I would love for you to say this in in Arabic. What is what are your words to live by? What is a great what is one of your favorite phrases in Arabic that you were kind of the words that you live by? Uh, inshallah, <laughs> which is uh, God willing, but it means like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the one, that's the, that's the one that I use. I use a lot. Actually, there was, there's one in the film called Bukra Fil Mishmish, which uh, it's another term of like, it's the opposite of inshallah which means like yeah when pigs fly basically um, <laughs> i love that i love yeah. that conversation <laughs> that was a great it was I, I love the sentiment of that statement too i love that there's both ends of the spectrum there <laughs> that's amazing yeah. uh i've got two questions left for you because i know you're about to wrap up in six minutes um how do you think we make the world a better place oh man <laughs> <laughs> so you know easy question no big deal yeah. <laughs> Man, if uh, if we all knew the answer to that, it would be a better place, right? Uh, I think uh, I think just uh, leading with love, leading with uh, like you said, are you helping or are you hurting? Um, if people are doing more to help than hurt, then we will we will definitely make uh, the world a better place for sure. I love that. And the final question: We're going back to food. What is your comfort food when you are like having the worst day in your home and you've got to make yourself something? What do you make yourself? Spaghetti bolognese, I gotta say. That's that's been something that I've been eating since I was a kid. I even used to go to like pizza and not get a pizza, I get a spaghetti bolognese. Uh, <laughs> anything with pasta, anything with carbs, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. that would be my comfort food for sure. So if you make it yourself, what what's this what's their what do you what's the ingredient that you put into it that uh, really puts it over the top? You know, I've tried, I try, I've tried varying ways. I've, I've added like Worcester sauce to it sometimes. Do you guys have Worcester sauce? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Delicious. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Like uh, extra garlic in it. Um, sometimes a bit, bit of red wine in it as well. Um, so yeah, that, that would be it really. And also making sure that the meat as well is well marinated in advance. Uh, make sure that there's like, that 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 bit is 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 made sure like the tasty part of the dish is is uh, is well prepped beforehand. So is that just meat in the skillet, salt and pepper, or do you oh, put yeah, a special? Yeah. Herb? yeah, you don't have to like you don't have to go like 
too hard with it. For sure. Just yeah, salt, pepper, garlic, onions. Amazing. Uh, since I have four minutes, I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, if you can go back and tell your 14 year old self something, what would you tell yourself? My 14 year old self. Mm hmm. Uh, stop caring about what other people think. That's simple. It. Yeah, for sure. Amir, thank you so much for your time. What an extraordinary film. Uh, I, the moment I saw the trailer, I, I was like, I have to have a conversation. I have to learn more about this from this man. So thank you for sharing your talents with the world in such an extraordinary way. That's very kind of you, Dwight. Thank you so much. Really, really lovely talking to you as well. All right. Your, uh, your, uh, your seat in the, on the table in Egypt is, is there when you're, when you're ready. I can't wait. I'm going to follow up. <laughs> <laughs> Amir, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Good luck with everything else. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our first episode. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, and if you enjoyed it, uh, please take a moment to subscribe, share it with somebody, leave a comment. All those things help um, share this story, these journeys. And um, if you have any questions or if you want, you know, recommend a future guest, uh, if you have any thoughts about the episode, anything, feel free to hit me up uh, at me at DwayneFernandez.com uh, or for like shorter questions or thoughts or if you want to share something, you can at me on Instagram at Dwayne underscore Fernandez, D-U-A-N-E underscore Fernandez with an F. Um, thank you for your time and I truly appreciate you being here with us. 